It feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. It feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. Broken hearts and shattered dreams Like wreckage on the ground The memory of those poor souls Who were lost but never found They shook their fists and cursed the sky Demanding explanations No answers came, no soothing words Just silence and frustration But in Jordan town the sun shone bright A miracle The light of love poured down It's a miracle Our hearts were pure We knew for sure A miracle That God had spared our town Hey guys we get that clip that was lovely hey guys live tyler to am i right dude, she dude, Liv tyler. daddy doesn't she dude live fucking tyler killed these episodes live tyler killed i fell in love with her again i yeah. know i went back to 1990 something flirty with the aerosmith video i know and, and i fell I right in love with her i hadn't looked at her that way even in the first season I never looked at her. Something about her throwing the grenade on the school bus. I was like, she's really hot right now. I'm not hearing me. Is it here or is it here? Sorry, am I being rude? It's in here. It's in your heart. I can't hear myself in in my heart. You you were peeking and so I was adjusting your audio. Oh, okay. But it's okay. Yes, I can hear him better now. Okay. Um, welcome. Did you hear all our, our our Liv Tyler banter? I don't want you to have missed that. Yeah, can I everyone heard... hear your okay. friends right now? Raise your hand, guys. Welcome to the Leftovers Steve. first time show watch through. We have finished season two with episodes nine and ten. <gasps> Episode nine was called Ten Thirteen. Episode ten was called I Live Here Now. And quite and a few. I live Tyler nine. here now. <laughs> episode nine was directed by I Camel saw Toskin. Keith Gordon. Do you know who Keith Gordon? Keith is? Gordon. That's right. <laughs> I, it's a familiar name, but no, I'm I'm not sure. He was an actor. <gasps> he was in a he was in Jaws two. <gasps> but more importantly, he was in Christine. Oh hell he yeah! He was the lead in Christine. He was the car. He drove the he, car. He was the car. He fell in love with the car. Yeah. Yeah, he I love the Keith car. Gordon, and this episode was particularly directed exceptionally well. I agree. I, I it was like a little movie. Yeah. Um, all this, the stuff with this episode is what's my Kaboom's name? Tom. Tom. Tom and Liv Tyler Mommy. at the honky tonk. I know, dude. With that cover of the promise by uh, oh, who is it? Ding, 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 ding. I can't remember. I didn't even recognize the song, but Steve was like, I've never heard of that before. I, yeah, that cover was, I had never heard it. It's called That's uh, great. Uh, The Promise. Um, well, the artist who did this version of The Promise was Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill? Sturgill. Anyway, um, but holy shit, what a great episode. What a great penultimate episode. 
And then what a great fucking finale, right? They're both so great. But let's, very happy. As I was watching this episode, I was like, ooh, this might be my new favorite. <laughs> I, I guess I, everybody. I, when I first watched the show, I, International Assassin like blew my mind. And I was like, holy shit, I can't fucking wait to see what happens next. And then you don't see Kevin again until the finale. You get this like entire. And then he dies again. And then he dies again. Spoiler alert. But he, uh, you know. Sorry, I didn't know Alana was on that text last night. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he woke up in the hotel. No, but you didn't say uh, anything. I just yelled out. What's that? You didn't say anything in the text. You just said like a a surprise Oh, I just said I'm at 50 minutes and fuck. Yeah. And Steve was like, hold up. Shut your mouth. Yeah. We haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Shut your mouth. But man, when I watched episode nine, I really was like, this is the best episode. And then 10 came along and I was like, this is the best episode. Did, did yeah, 10 come along? Very good. Very, very good. Did 10 come along for you and suddenly you were like, jackpot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me too. Everyone yeah. was asleep. I think I watched it at like <gasps> one o'clock East Coast time oh, and I was just shouting at the TV. <gasps> I was like, oh, no. We got a player here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I I literally went, pick the uniform, Kevin. (laughs) I know. That's what I was saying, too, because I was like, he knows who he is now. He's got to pick himself. Um, but anyway, that doesn't happen until the second episode, damn it, or the finale, right? All right, so let's isolate. Yeah, but you know, it's hard to nine. separate them. It feels it's like it a is hard. two-handed punch. Well, in ten thirteen, we get finally we get Meg's flashback to her cocaine what happened, habit. Yeah, and also what happened. Uh, to I know her mother, that was great. Which was also um, how did they cast that guy, her husband? He's seriously. such a perfect piece of shit. <laughs> I hate him every second I that he's on camera. I hate him. <laughs> but he's totally one of those guys. You see him all the time with like a really pretty girl or whatever. And then you see the guy over there with the shirt. And, and he's, he's like just, a shit face. Yeah, His face looks see, like shit. Yeah, he's got that shirt and he looks like a shit face. And you could just tell because of their mannerisms as a couple that something's off. Something's he's got that low key misogyny constantly on the girl, and you just feel bad for her, but you also want to give her that power of to be like, get away from him. He wants to be in control of her. Yes, always wants to be in control, and she lets it happen because she's in love. But you know, and and she thinks that's normal because she's been a girl her whole life, etc. Like you know that dynamic. Nice guy, such a nice guy, but you know behind closed doors he's screaming like an inch from her face. Yeah, and, and you like know he's he not says actually the most problematic, a nice guy. toxic shit. Too. Oh, he, for he sure. says things that like society says are <laughs> he okay. He just hasn't been caught on an iPhone yeah. camera yet. <laughs> right. No one's looking through his old tweets. Oh God. Um. Ugh. But yeah, yeah that was it's really masterfully done. That but it character. was yeah, yes. it was really cool that we got to see um, Meg visit Jarden with her husband in an attempt to kind of like find answers to you know the things that had happened to her and also to find out what her mom was going to tell her which we didn't find out which which um i know it's had, such a lindelof thing yeah yeah it how, didn't how do you guys feel though. about it yeah i think that whatever he said she knew it was true it didn't yeah. matter what it was it could have been like your dad's thinking about Leaving you know, me. putting in a, a a a hot tub in the back. You know, I mean, so whatever he said, she's like, "That's a hundred percent what my mom was going to tell me." 
this place is important and special. And and then it, uh, and then so she so she tucked that notion in the back of her mind that that place was important and special, and she got what she wanted there. But still, she was still a broken person, right? Because she still joined the guilty remnant in season one, and um, you know something that that he. T- but whatever she, well, she, she laid the seed with the daughter. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Because she something that whatever it was that her mom said affected her in a way that was like, okay, I have my answer now, but now I don't know what to do next or whatever. Like I don't know what my next yeah. thing is. But it seemed like it really affected her in an emotional way because, yeah, she was crying on the bench and, you know, and then what this the mom four episode run really propelled season two above season one and made me understand why people are were so excited. For yeah, season it's, two. it was only these four episodes, though. Up until then, I was like, well, I mean, some good things, but also a lot of things Same. that are annoying. But then the last four, like, that's what makes season two worth talking about. Just the last four. And it's interesting because I spoke to a friend of mine who was like, oh, Leftovers. Yeah, I watched that for a while. And like about halfway through season two, I stopped. I was like, what? Me too. I know so many people stopped just before it got really good. Yeah, because I think a lot of people were like getting fed up. People who are more like me, maybe not everyone, certainly, were getting fed up with the first half. And then, but the second half is the juice. Can I say something that before I forget? Um, Please say it. I think. You sure can. Thank you, Brett. The floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I think that the guy with the handprints, I think that guy, unlike Holy Wayne, is actually special and actually has a power. I do think he's actually clairvoyant to some degree. I I think that he actually is. Yeah, he has some sort of power. Maybe he's like a. Everything he's said has been correct. Yeah, exactly. Everything we've seen him say. Yes. But he said he didn't have that power before, or did he? When when John first was accusing him and like, I've known you since we were little or whatever. Was he saying why I didn't have it then? Or was he saying. He's probably kept it from him or something. Because I wonder if, if or he didn't have it till after October fourteenth. Oh, that's what I'm wondering if people cool. got shit because. But then her grandma said the whole thing about miracle being special with the with the dead birds and shit was like before the fourteenth for oh, sure. So did you guys get that um, package in the mail? The fucking when, when the episode when the girls left was that the first one or the second or the finale? What when the you, first when you followed the girls on on how they left and when they left and shit like what they did after. They, they disappeared in the first one. Okay. And then we saw it again in the second one. Okay. So um, did you guys connect the Dots. the cricket cell phone? Yes. To the cricket sound Wait. that John was hearing in the first What do you mean the episode? cricket cell phone? Well, remember when they were in the car and Evie got like a text and it sounded like a cricket? Or it was, no, uh, no, it no, was no. Liv Tyler. Liv, Liv Tyler, Tyler got... A phone call. The phone was and ringing, it sounded, and it like, sounded a like, a like a cricket going off. I think the cricket ringtone was for what's her name for Evie, and that was how they were communicating. And I think that her and Liv. Yeah, and I think that mm. the cricket sound was one hundred percent. I didn't get that. Was totally so that was her special ringtone yeah. for Faked. Evie, and that was Evie she was yep. speaking to on the phone. Yep. Now I want to hear what she said again. Ooh, juicy. But she uh, put the cricket in the well, box to make her dad believe that, like, 
that was the cricket, so well, let it no, go. No, no, not to make him believe, but but to give him that satisfaction because the cricket truly was gone then because right. she was gone with right. the cricket sound. Right. It was really satisfying. But she was also saying let it go in the sense of also like let it go that I'm gone. Well, I think she, yes, but I think she was also saying that like potentially he's focused so much on problems like that, but he's not looking at what's going on with his own family that he apparently loves. Also, like she's the one that had the cricket the whole time, but he wasn't looking at her. He was looking at like everything else around. I him. definitely thought the cricket was going to get up and be alive. Cause it after was all that time. And, and it was like, Oh, Evie's going to get her wish. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to connect it to the dead animals in boxes thing too, but I think it's just a slight <laughs> connection because I don't know. I don't think there's a connection at all. I but, think it's um, birds yeah. specifically. But well, Kevin was Kevin was buried in the ground and came back to life. Yeah, but he didn't. I think it's anything. Stuff you happened bury before the that. There. I don't think the ground is the part that brought him but back. Kevin to life. came he wasn't back buried. and he wasn't buried. Yeah, I don't think the buried it has to do with it. I, I think, think the buried has something to do with it because remember the grandmother the grandpa was told saying him that to be it's be like buried. the Garden of Eden or whatever. Yeah, or it's like a point mm. of heavenly well maybe power. it's helpful but i don't know if it's necessary um, i also just want to say for the record because uh i have an ego like this when he went to open that present box i was like it's gonna be a dead cricket and oh, it was yeah, a dead cricket say that <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i did not know Woo! But to be fair, 95% of the other things that you call don't quite... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Excuse me? So many things I I'm call kidding, come I'm true. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Oh, so we're going to... That's awesome. I did not call that at all. Can you tell how proud I would be? I mean, that's a random thing to work I'm out. I'm proud of you now. Thank you. Everyone's I'm retroactively proud. proud. I'm patting um, my back. And something we're going to have to talk about <laughs> once we get to the next episode is... There's quite an interesting mystery that was brought up kind of in the beginning of the season and then kind of peppered throughout the whole thing. And then finally, we've we're left with this kind of disconnected notion that potentially Evie has something to do with this whole Virgil, John and Erica issue. Um because, I mean, we'll get to it. But oh, 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 we'll talk about. We'll it later. talk about. Why it? are you bringing it up? Now? Well, I just wanted to make sure that we're setting it up. Because oh, okay, it's, okay, okay. Because we are talking a lot about Evie this episode, and Evie. Uh, and Evie. It's on the record. And Evangeline and Evie's motivations have, up until the finale, really seemed kind of like not realistic. Because you're like, well, so she joins the guilty remnant. Is that outside? Is it Wednesday? <laughs> the Wednesdads, dude. The Wednesdads in quarantine have been every day of the week. They're the week dads now. Okay. They murder my brain. Um, but it seems like Evie's motivation to join the guilty remnant and to leave her family behind in an incredibly painful way, and then reappear just to kind of like taunt them. I guess I don't know what really their goal was, but it really seems like her character arc is really disjointed with the idea that like okay so because her dad killed well, like tried he, to kill her grandpa and then went to jail for that like that's enough for her later on in life to like completely fuck over her whole family and join the guilty remnant and so, oh well, let's I mean, talk are you about saying it later? We have the we're whole not. Picture? I'm talking about the Steve, whole thing. Steve, we're not thing. in the episode yeah. yet. Let's get in it when we get in it. I feel like it. we're Finish missing nine. puzzle pieces. 
Yeah, well, I think the puzzle pieces are there. I think it's just up to... There's a lot to say about this. So I feel There's like a lot let's to say finish about nine it, first okay. if you want to do it chronologically, and then we'll come to it All so right. that we can so, fully flesh. Mary is back. Mary back! Is that, does that happen in nine? That's a huge thing, yeah. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't it? I loved, I loved this episode. Taking ten, like, I don't know if ten exists, and watching nine, I loved nine. Nine was so good. Yeah. It was not to just con- continue to hammer on like the lost uh, parallels, but it's such a lost move. But I feel like there was learnings from lost. And this was like, we're going to deviate from this thing that you're so interested in, which is Kevin and his death and, you know, the ex the exorcism of Patty. And we're going to take you away from that and give you context on a different character. But in this instance, it's so interesting and it's something that I've been asking and questioning that it actually like propelled it to be more interesting than the Kevin story that when Kevin came back in 10, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck Kevin. Right. He just Same. got dug out of his grave. Yeah. Um, oh, so you had was, completely forgotten about Kevin. Yeah, me too. Well, what I mean is nine is such a perfect yeah. like using what they learned and lost and doing the same thing, but doing it in a really impactful way. I thought nine was, like I said, I thought it was the best episode Yeah. until 10. Wow. <laughs> That's, wow. I was just like, wow, they so, we didn't care about Tom. We didn't care about any of this. And they crafted it in a way that they made, um, is it Mary? Mary. Mary but I think so Mary, Mary, might... like this super villain that's so much more menacing. No, no, Meg, oh, 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 Meg, Meg, like, Meg, Meg, yeah, Meg, Meg. Meg sorry, we put we put Patty to bed, and then it's like, oh, Meg is so much more. <laughs> Did you just than call Patty her a supervillain? She's terrifying, and here's her origin story. Yeah, yeah I thought it was awesome. That's what Elena was, so was awesome. saying. That yeah. what I said was in that episode they turned. I was like, it's no wonder he went on to do a superhero movie show after this because they turned Meg into an actual supervillain, and they turned. Uh, who was I saying? Um, the main guy, Kevin, and they turned Tom. Kevin into a superhero. Oh. Like he can live through yes. anything. He's invincible now, and she is like throwing bombs in cars with children. Like perfect supervillain, perfect superhero, but in yeah. real life. But I also love that they've like they because they answered an interesting question, which is like, what happens to the guilty remnant? now? And like, how? What? What does the guilty remnant do if they're still? Well, they were like on? defunct. I in mean, our minds, well, they, they were, were def- like so weak that Tom was pulling them away. They were converting them. We yeah, but then it wasn't working. As a viewer. Yeah, but I mean, like as a viewer, we had completely working. devalued them. And now at the end, it sort of the show like slapped us on the wrist and was like, no, no, no. The guilty remnant is important and they are the foil of this show. Well, and, and I don't forget about them. Yeah, and I like mm-hmm. that um, it seems like they were they could have just been like this cult that you know bothers people but they never do anything more extreme than what they did in jardin you know but but yeah. for some reason meg is like disgruntled and evil at this point so she's taking their motivations and their actions to like a a different degree like a more scary degree oh yeah she just made her own cult with the members who are questioning shit inside of their cult she's like oh you're not sure don't go off to this like psychology well she like radicalized that point right there that's why tom is on board right tom was looking for something 
Well, Tom was looking and they for. Gave it to her. I mean, she nailed it. I think Lori. Lori nailed it when she said, "You're looking for." Or who said to him that you're looking for a family? Oh, it was Meg. Yeah. Or no, no, she no, no, said, no. Tom he's is like, the... I don't care about family, and she's like, family's the most important thing. Right. But there was a moment with Lori. No, Tom has always been a perfect cult. Uh, like, I don't want. Recipient. I don't want to say victim. Like, yeah. uh, what do you do when you get someone Inductee. to do a thing? Yeah, whatever. There's a word well, for we it. We don't need to protect cults. <laughs> but he really is like a. This perfect isn't the that. period in time where people are like, "Oh, you guys have been so mean to cults over the years." <laughs> right. No one's gonna. No one's gonna say we're cult shaming. Yeah. Cult crispies. <laughs> uh, culture crispies. Um. Anyway, lots of fucking crazy shit. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of it in the emails and clips and stuff. But can I talk two things for? Oh, move sure, on sure, to sure. Well, I wasn't going to move on. Oh, okay, yet. go ahead. I, so, in in uh, the bullet points of trivia on this episode, it says that Damon Lindelof has said the this. Bullet points of trivia sounds like an H.P. Lovecraft novel. The bullet yeah. points of trivia. Of trivia. Um, Damon Lindelof has said the seeds of Meg's character turn in season two. Oh, sorry. The seeds of Meg's character turn in season two came from him being on set when Liv Tyler was shooting the tree chopping scene in Penguin One Us Zero and being inspired by her choice to play the scene as angry and dangerous. Tyler's choice to play the scene in The Prodigal Son Returns after she has been beaten and tied to a post with a dead-eyed stare also made Lindelof realize that Meg was a force to be reckoned with. The writers were interested in telling a story about the radicalization of religion. Yeah, that's exactly the right. The fact that Liv Tyler didn't become like a Marvel villain after this means not enough people saw this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I um, already feel that way because Justin Thoreau didn't do mega shit after this. And I, neither did uh, Nora. I had thought about... I mean, he did The Spy Who Dumped Me. So, <laughs> I... I had I had thought about this when they were talking about it in the episode, but remember when they were taking the little Jardin tour and they were talking about mm-hmm. the cracks in the ground and things like that? Um, this trivia says, the underground gas explosion blowing out manhole covers in Jardin on 10-14-2011 is curiously similar to events seen in The Garveys at Their Best when work by Con Edison causes the same occurrence in Mapleton on the same day. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. Kevin sees that manhole thing explode. But... I wonder what the connection is. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is interesting because it, it alludes to... Under... It'll be something, Alana. It'll be in the... Um, it'll be somewhere in the Wikipedia <laughs> or the Leftoverpedia. Leftoverpedia. But yeah, it does seem to... It'll be in the PDPedia. It does seem to kind of connect some organic, natural occurrence that is connected to the... Uh, departure yeah i mean there's something because it keeps the earthquakes keep being convenient yeah the earth earthquakes definitely mean something for sheer can i also just put to rest that in this episode nine when they're <gasps> i just read a cool piece of information oh. i'll finish up quick yeah please Spoiler? <clears throat> no no when it's uh, just more trivia in the same section here when meg and tommy are at the honky tonk there's um they're at the bar and there's a picture in the background of a dude a white dude and it says where did bobby go or something oh yeah that's right and we decided we found bobby (laughs) that's bobby yeah he disappeared from the honky tonk yeah 
We've been talking to him He's this whole time. Honky-tonk? He's been at that honky tonk the whole time, guys. Dang it, Bob. Um, where's Bobby? Bobby. What? Um, what did she mean when she said, "I can do this"? For I you. wanted to get you pregnant to Tom. Yes. Yeah. I have theories, but I don't know. Well, Alana, I heard your theories while we were watching it, and they seemed interesting. Uh, my theory was because she hugged <laughs> when they hug when she goes to get a hug bless, from him before bless, that. Bless you. Thank yes, you. Yes, bless you. Yes, bless. Um, she says, "I can do this for real," meaning like I, I don't know. I can. Oh, when take she said the when away. she yeah, she said I can hug people and take their pain away. Yeah, for real. and then they're kind of. I mean, they're pretty <sighs> yeah, much hugging great. in the dance scene, and she says she wanted to get him pregnant, and I, I kind of. This is totally a theory because I don't know how this would be backed up. I was wondering if she had some kind of like ability or like energy or something that she was giving to him, was wanting to give to him to impregnate him with. I'm not sure. Mm. Mm. But I also like the idea that she was just doing like a a total reverse role thing and guys say that to girls, whatever. Not that well, I had kind of do, thought but... like, oh, this is how she gets pregnant with Tom's baby. Yeah, I thought about that too. But um, the, all of it, that scene when she leaned forward and was like, I can do this for real. What? Keith, what? Exactly. Keith Gordon directed three episodes of Leftovers, one in each season. Whoa. He directed two boats and a helicopter, 1013, and then I haven't looked up the third one. Don't wow. worry about it. Wait, we'll come to it. Careful, because you might look yeah, at season don't three Google stuff. It. No, no, I'm saying I haven't looked at because I know that it's on IMDb. You can look by season or yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, all right. And he's got one in each season, but tread uh, lightly, Brett. Which episode was two boats and a helicopter? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. It might have been a Matt episode because that was like the Jesus thing, right? The two boats and a helicopter was like a parable or something. Oh, wait, I can look that up. Man. Reverend Jameson is struggling with people referring to the departed as heroes. Also, He's something... faced with death threats and a dimin- diminishing attendance at his sermons. Oh, um... wait, is this the... Uh... We got a player here. So oh, we got a player. All right, let me get through the rest of this trivia for the okay, episode, the and then trivia. we can move on. Here. I'm all done with Ke- with the Keith Gordon, Um, but oh. I love him. So. Oh, good, good. Happy to hear it. Um, Meg brings the uh, the sweater that was tied around her mother's neck when she died uh, to Miracle. This is the same sweater that Lori forces Meg to give up in Penguin <gasps> 1, Us 0. That's right. Pretty cool. Pretty great connection. Meg tells Evie the same knock-knock joke Evie later tells John in Axis Mundi. <gasps> yep. Meg's grenade stunt is reminiscent of the Manhattan guilty guilty remnant remnant <laughs> handing out fake grenades in Guest. Yep. Although both Tom and Lori claim that Tom is a fraud and that they made up his story about inheriting Wayne's powers, he curiously refuses to hug Jill in a matter of geography, claiming that he's sick. This scene oh, yeah. occurs prior to Lori and Tom first deciding to steal Wayne's shtick. Is that a rhyme? I don't know, but I don't Could care. Be. I love the idea. I love the idea that he does have something. Meg's Tom? Ri- yeah. 
Meg's ringtone is a cricket chirping, the same sound that drove John crazy in Axis Mundi. It has been theorized that the cricket was actually a hidden cell phone in the Murphy house, which Meg used to call Evie. There you go. Mm -hmm. The building where Meg's followers hold the dirt biker prisoner appears to have formerly been a skating rink. Yeah, cute. Did Um, you think the grenade was going to go off? No. I like the way that they shot it. Again, Keith Gordon. But I like that he shot it like an action hero scene. Like you don't look at the explosion, you just walk away. Yeah. And then you look back as if it was like, what's going on? Why didn't it explode? (laughs) I was like, I hope it doesn't explode because it's such an iconic shot that sort of tracked back. Uh, I thought that was awesome. I also would have thought it, I thought it would have been too cheesy for that to explode and, and then suddenly be like, what, now we're just murdering children on this show? Like, come on. That's like the one thing you haven't done yet as far as like hitting triggering topics of various the end it's the end of season two <laughs> you gotta do something big by the way fuck man there's so much there's there's the same volume of mysteries as lost but with like a third of the episode count right it's crazy it feels like we're going too fast i oh, know no, i like it but it's because we're we're binging it too essentially you know no, barely i mean we're not watching yeah, it the way even weekly like you're getting a lot week to week now yeah it says here lots, for, um lot slower with the info it says here that although patty tells kevin and cairo that the gr does not take its orders from anywhere this episode reveals that there is some form of organization seemingly with a committee governing body of elders per the credits oh yeah. they're called the the elders that oversees How great is that actress from American oh, she's Horror great Story. she's so great yeah. i was telling alana i was like ah oh, really i love her i can't I, and alana was like what's she been in and i was like kind of everything she's in so much stuff american horror story roanoke I love is where I, I really was like, oh, she's incredible. I love Roanoke so much. That's like a crazy it's my TV fit. show. It's, it made me interested in that show. I hadn't really watched. Oh, dude, until Roanoke. have you watched the other ones? I went back and watched the first episode or first season, and then some of Asylum, and I kind of got disinterested. Oh, and then Asylum's I into so the, good though. I jumped into the '80s slasher one, and was offended. <gasps> really this this isn't made by somebody who really loves this show wow i I had to i had to cash out after like an episode (gasps) or two well dude i know he always does that and then you stick with it and it gets really really good he's like one of those he's one of those guys that like kind of loses you in the in the middle of the season or something maybe but it was right away i was like this person doesn't understand oh, why no. people love Oh no. Oh no. All right. Well. And it upset me. Whatever. Coming from it's, a true slasher he's, fan. He's crying all the way to the bank, so. For he for certain he is. Um anyway, it says um that over they there's a governing committee of elders that oversees multiple houses operations. Meg seemingly is the head of her own house and notes that she is not authorized to plan her own actions on Heroes Day. This is in contrast to the book where the Guilty Remnant is a loose national network, each affiliate following the same basic guidelines, white clothes and cigarettes, and two-person surveillance teams, but governing itself without much in the way of organized oversight or outside interference. 
It could be that the structure has evolved to become more centralized in the time since season one. Is Tom on board the writer of the book at this point? I think so. Good question. Meaning like, does he it like it? It feels like they're really far away from the book. Yeah. Um, We can find out. I can find out. It it's... feels like season one is Tom's and season two is Damon's. Oh, yeah. Possibly, yeah. For sure. Uh, the guilty remnant stance that children cannot live in their houses because the authorities would overreact may reference the book's botched search warrant execution where the police entered the Mableton complex intending to search for two little girls whose embittered non-custodial father claimed have been a, had been abducted and held against her will. Wait, so was Evie 18? I think that was answered, but I, I just don't, don't know. remember. Maybe. I don't know. No. No. But, maybe. Hmm. I want to say no. But maybe she had just turned 18. Yeah, I thought there was a birthday, but then I the, don't was the think dad's that they birthday, can be so. so fast and loose with the sex talk. Huh? If she's not 18, just from like an MPAA perspective. Wait, what? Maybe I'm wrong. Please. I think you can't show them having sex. Can you repeat that's in full I, sentences? That's if they're actually 18. Wait, I'm messing up all my information. <laughs> Evie could be literally any age. <laughs> all right, moving on. Moving on. Do you remember we had an email a few weeks ago and somebody gave us these dates for when the 100th episode was going to be of this show was going to happen and et cetera, et cetera. Somebody gave us a date that was July 11th, which is the, today, the day we're recording. And it was, I think it was supposed to be the anniversary of your, your first recording this show, like the anniversary of the show. You hearing me, Steve? I'm hearing it. Yeah. Is it so, true though? Hey, warning today. For sure. Day? This is true. Well, the sec, I, here's what I wrote down. Cause remember I was like, no, I'm going to write it down. And you're like, no, no, no. I was like, no, I'm going to write it down. Well, let us know. And if it's true, we'll celebrate. <laughs> yes. Next week. There you go. Because Perfect. July 11th, I wrote down. And then the second thing I wrote was August 1st is, is when we're, August 1st will be the day that we record the third record third 100th episode. August 1st record third one the 100th episode. I don't yeah, know, but that makes sense cuz I heard Owen's going to come back for the whole third season. <laughs> Is that what you oh, heard? Man. <laughs> what I heard. I did talk to him about coming back and he was like, "Uh, I'll come back, but not this time. Not for this one." So we'll see when he'll come back. He said he'd, he'd be down to come back for more, but. All right. I was like, you should just finish out the season with us and then jump into season three. And he was like, I'll let you know. So All right. we'll it's see. It's a lot for him. You know, we got talking banter. For show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a lot weekly. All right, let's jump into I Live Here Now, which is the I live Tyler here now. finale of season two. Directed by Mimi Leader. Mimi! Yep. And uh, the finale of the whole damn season. What do you think, Brett? What are your thoughts? It feels like they bring Mimi in when they're like, we need it to be big. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be a lot of locations. Like, I'm just thinking from like a practical production perspective. Mm -hmm. They're like, there's going to be a, a lot of locations. There's going to be a lot of things going on. We need someone we can really trust to bring it all home. Right. And uh, she totally did. That yeah. this is an incredible episode. It's like this, this is a 
this is an hour and like 12 minutes. But it feels like a two-hour movie. Like they just it's cover a, so much. Yeah. It's they cover so much, but they also it also doesn't feel like they crammed anything into it. No. It doesn't feel it feels like they used like they perfectly use their runtime to to just completely take care of all of the things that we were like, was this real? What the fuck was that? What were they doing with this? And they kind of really neatly tied it all up, I think. Well, what happened, I saw the runtime and I immediately thought of the last season of Game of Thrones when they were really excited about these long episodes and it really didn't come together to feel good, you know, (laughs) to feel big, to feel large. And it, it was very like isolated, honestly. And this was so big and it had so many subplots and different locations and so much going on and it like so perfectly tied everything together i don't know what to expect from season three right because of how satisfied i was with the ending of season two yeah all the way down to the final shot which was absolutely insane in um it's like here's a recap of the entire show in a single shot it was so it was so fantastic it was so fantastic i was so satisfied did they already had they already been renewed for season three when they shot it i actually don't know because it feels like they weren't so there's like, a there's a year gap, right? I think this so. is 2015. I think so. Season three, to, it might not be a full year, but season three didn't come till 2017. <gasps> I haven't looked anything up, so I don't know the story. I, re- I yeah, remember there was a gap. I remember thinking that like that we just weren't going to get another season, and that was the end of the show. Yeah, and the fact that we even got a season three was actually pretty surprising to me. Right. Well, I looked- remember just that narrative. Just from talking, my brother followed it when it was happening, and he's excited that I'm watching it, but won't talk to me about it until we're done. Oh, good. Yeah. And we might want to bring Brad on, actually. (gasps) Yeah, we should. That'd be awesome. The original air date for season, for episode one of season three is April 16th, 2017. Okay, yeah. 16. When was the last episode of And then the last episode of two was December 2015. December 6th. 15 to 17. So, yeah, so we got about a year and some change. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it it felt like it wasn't, we weren't going to get it. Yeah. And then they, and then they released like a really awesome trailer. I'm going to look for it and then, um, we won't be able to play it here or anything, but I'm going to look for it and see if it's like, we won't be able to play it here, but you guys, I'll send it to you, Brett, but Alana and I, we should watch it because it's one of my favorite trailers for like a TV (gasps) show. I don't know if it's going to spoil me up. No, no, it's just, it's it's, it's like a teaser. It just shows you like a little bit of the show and you're like, holy shit. Let's dive into 10. Let's dive into 10. I don't know how we'll properly talk about it, but I will say my first instinct when he was, came out of the ground and the sun was like, holy shit. And we caught back up with where we left off. I, in that moment, had more respect for episode eight than I did when initially watching it. Oh, good. After After getting the whole Meg story and then coming back to it, I almost realized how special and crazy that was to be in this season. Right. Um, And then the fact that we go back to it. I know. It was, uh, it just felt like, I don't know if I can, I can't think of another season finale that so properly rewards the viewer 
for getting to the end of a season. Yes, right. And that's all I wanted. I'm so I, satisfied. I truly feel like I truly feel like yes. Lindelof was like still obviously feeling pains from Lost and how an audience kind of turned against him and bullied him off of Twitter and shit and like really mishandled what was the opinion of this show at this point. Well, at this know? point I remember people saying it was so different from season 1 and I knew a lot of people fell off and weren't in, just like kind of like around the time Alana did and her friends did. Um, 100%. I think that was I think people weren't really watching it as much, but I fucking still loved it. And I had a small community of people that were watching me watch it for my own personal channel for a little bit, I guess. Which wait, I what? totally don't they were even remember. next to the TV watching you? <laughs> yeah, wait. Will you explain this? No, I did, like, watch I did a recap show on like, YouTube? with my on ex-wife. Where? Yeah. On YouTube, really? Yeah, like way back in the day, and I totally didn't even remember it, and they're all privated on my old oh, I was gonna YouTube. Say I remember that. I think that's when spikes. we first started hanging out. I yeah. I think that was Frankenstein. Whoa. I think it was around the Frankenstein stuff, yeah. But uh, but I don't remember how far in I went, but I do remember that people, there were a community of people that I was like discussing the weekly episodes with and and things like that. So there was a fan base there, and obviously the fact that HBO gave them a third season meant that it was doing well enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't remember it being as big of an event as season one was at all. Unfortunately, I think people just were like not into it and felt like, oh, we're we're never going to learn about like why people departed. And that's the only reason why I cared about the show. So I'm done. It's not just the why people departed. So There's crazy. a lot of whys that weren't being answered. Well, the sure. But that was the big one for like, a lot okay. of people. Like uh, anyway. Um, so I want to read some of the trivia from the episode and then that'll probably trigger a lot of thoughts. And then, um, you know. But there's so much to talk about in this episode. Yes, please. But Damon Lindelof said, while this episode breaks the season-long rule on keeping a focused point of view in each episode and returns to the more ensemble-driven feel of most of the first season, the writers compromised by ensuring that each scene was from a specific character's point of view and by transitioning from one POV to another between scenes like Lori lying in Mary's hospital bed transitions to a close-up of Mary in the following scene. Oh. That's cool. Okay. Very cool. It's it's so, from a director's point of view, it's so hard to do that, to keep all that together and to keep it, to keep it flowing, to keep it making sense, yeah. to keep the story being clear. It's so hard. And it, they did it. Mimi did it perfectly. Bravo, Mimi. Bravo, Mimi. Kudos. Kudos. I mean, like, for real, because you could watch as the POV changed. It wasn't It wasn't just, like, they cut and then it's different POV. It was shot differently. The color tone was different. It 100%. looked different. You knew that it was somebody else. Uh, yeah, it, this, was a, this was an incredible episode. Very, very agree. Um, Evie writing to Erica, you understand, calls back to Patty telling Kevin, you understand, as she kills herself in Cairo. It also references Erica in Lens telling Nora that Evie wouldn't understand if Erica had left. Um, man, there's so much to talk about with that. I don't know if we want to get to it yet, but, um, I'll keep going. From the moment that Kevin gave John his handprint in a most powerful adversary... 
The writers knew that Kevin would have a second trip to the afterlife in the finale without knowing what that trip would entail. Tom Parada pitched the concept of Kevin having to sing karaoke for his trial because for someone who doesn't want to sing, that would be terrifying. The writer's room initially reached a consensus that Kevin should sing Madonna's Like a Prayer, which is on the karaoke wheel in the episode, but Madonna refused to grant the rights. They then picked two possibilities. Wow, this is so much better. This is way so much better. So much better because I don't think a lot of people know this song, and it's so applicable. Yeah, what's I know. What's happening? I know. Very, yeah. Uh, they then picked two possibilities, Homeward Bound and The Platters, The Great Pretender. Oh, I love that song. You guys know that one? Yes. Again, I yeah, I feel too. like that's a more popular song. Before yeah. narrowing it down, uh, before narrowing it down, Justin Thoreau dislikes singing and was really scared, according to director Mimi Leader. Really? <laughs> Dude, I love that he was not a good singer. I know! Yeah. It's so perfect! These shows, they get up there and they just crush it. Exactly. Like, no, no, no. no. I'm ready it's for him to be such a, what he should be. Yeah. And Bad. It's, and it's like an emotionally raw moment where... It, you kind of cut back and forth between, I don't know if this was on purpose or if it was just like a filmmaking thing for eyelines and such, but I noticed that there were certain times when he's definitely looking at the monitor to like read the lyrics of the song, mm -hmm. but then there were other times where he was just like looking directly off into like, you know, the void essentially saying these lines from heart yeah. and not from the monitor. And, and to me it feels like, the lyrics of the song resonated more in, in, you know, and they did cut around to things yeah. like the magazine and, and stuff like Madonna that. Madonna would have been such a miss. I think. I, I mean, because I love I wouldn't believe what was great about this was he, he had to, you have to be familiar with that song. It's got a really strange vocal melody. It does. And it's like, I believe that he's familiar with that song. Yeah, totally. Mm. It's like, that's a Kevin song that he would listen to. And that it would mean something to him. That would bring back some memory or emotion. I feel the same way and about it was more like, powerful because of that to I, me. I yeah. feel the same way about like a prayer. And I also feel like if they really wanted you to believe in that moment that that roulette wheel could land on any song, I feel like like a prayer is the perfect example of a song that you force someone to do karaoke to <laughs> that they do not want to do. They're terrified of it. They don't know the song very well. It would have like really worked for me as a song that was randomized and meant to be a scary karaoke song experience. In for my feeling in the scene was that he knows that song, which is what you got too, Brett, but he doesn't know it well because he's really hugging the screen with the lyrics on it. But it could also be that he's afraid and has never done karaoke before. Well, it's also, like the words are so applicable to what's going on, yeah. right? Right, oh, it brings man. up the emotion that he knows the song, but now he's paying attention to what the song is saying. I actually found the song choice intimidating from a creative perspective. Like, I guess I thought that's it was, true. I was like, "Fuck, it's such a good choice." Well, because you never you, you don't really know, yeah, and that is so perfect for this moment right i was like man and, and it's such a silly stupid thing to be in the episode <laughs> yeah but then, yeah, like, the song's so good and it's it's it works so well that it makes it not seem silly that it makes it seem like yeah he's earning his way back to reality by yeah. singing this song and i think yeah. what's happening is like we're truly seeing the creation of like 
what seems like a really creative and fun writer's room where they were like probably like tossing around all sorts of crazy ideas on how Kevin would like pass some sort of trial to get out of the afterlife one final time. Um, and the fact that it is a karaoke thing and them talking about how that's something like if someone doesn't want to sing karaoke and being forced to do it is a terrifying thing. It just makes you feel like that writer's room is just like a fun fucking time where they're just like, what if the trial is he just has to sing a karaoke song and they're like, fuck yeah, let's just fucking do it. And it really feels like not to get too. Well, I, hate that, I hate that they say they knew he was going to go back because I think it's a funner story from a writer's room perspective if it's like okay and then we cut back to kevin and he wakes up because he didn't die because his bullet went through and someone is like what if he goes to the hotel for a minute (laughs) like 10 minutes and just freak everybody out (laughs) it's i feel like it would silence a writer's room and everyone would be like fuck that guy he's smarter than us dude we don't like him and you get that feeling when he's like when he realizes he's back there that he tries to talk to his dad right and I then just before he I tries to talk that. to his dad though he has a moment where he looks at himself bless you he looks at himself in the mirror and he just like like convincingly <laughs> freaks the fuck out and is like yeah. no what the fuck am i doing here and it really gives you that feeling that like and especially with that music track playing again you get the yep. feeling that like fuck is this it like is this this is it like kevin this is kevin's just dead now and maybe maybe this is where his story ends. He's just like in the hotel world and maybe through the next season, he has to like escape it. I don't know if I can get out of it again. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like the fact that he turns on the TV and can't reach his dad and then he has no batteries in the fucking remote control. makes you feel like, well, he's truly alone there. He's fucked. How the fuck is he going to get out of this? But it really does seem like that Australian guy there is important. Yeah. Fascinating. Like who the fuck is that guy? And also and he's then, back. Yeah. And then Kevin comes back to the real world and the real world looks like his dream world. Alana noticed that too. Yeah. 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 There were four. I was there wondering was if he was going to be like, oh, I haven't woken up yet. I'm I thought he was going to be like, oh, did yeah. I go to hell? Yeah. Did I not make it? And now I'm in like a different layer of this limbo place. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. it seems like uh, everything turned out well, but I'm hoping that maybe we get to find out who the fuck that Australian guy is. Yeah. And, um, how he's somehow looking after Kevin in a way too. Or or looking the, after all people. Or at the very least. Yeah. Cause he, but it's interesting that his stance on that place was like, well, you're here, dude. Why the fuck do you get to go home? And none of us get to go but home. You know, I didn't take that as his stance. I took that as what he was going to ask Kevin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. Like you're saying he wants to know, like he truly wants to know why and if there's a good reason no, he I'm allows you to pass or I'm something. I'm saying he's not asking because he wants to know. He's asking because Kevin needs to be asked that and it's his job to do the asking. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, so maybe he's kind of like a like a angel. It's kind of like when you want something and you're trying you to like, you know, do the things to do that you think you should do to do it and somebody comes to you and they're like, do you really want this? Because you're not really like doing it. You're not really getting outside, trying, starting the thing. Do you know what I mean? When somebody has that kind of intervention moment with you. Yeah, sure. Like yeah. If you're like, I want to be an actor. And they're like, but you're not auditioning. Go and do it actually right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, those kind of moments. He's got some great purpose. Yeah. That's but my opinion. I'm, but I'm just saying, I think he was asking the questions in the four 
Kevin way versus the, oh, he's actually curious way. Here's an interesting factoid. The riot is deliberately reminiscent of the riot in Mapleton in the first season finale. Oh. Lindelof said that when the writers began working on season two, they wanted to approach it like a novel and looked to Tom Parada to get a sense of what a theoretical sequel novel to The Leftovers would be like, and in particular, how it would end. They ultimately, so does that confirm there's only one book? I never That does it confirm it. Yep. There it is. Okay. That's the confirmation, yeah. They ultimately embraced the theme of wherever you go, there you are, and wanted mm -hmm. to show Kevin bearing a witness to Jardin suffering the same type of guilty remnant attack his own hometown suffered. Parada himself pitched the final scene, with Kevin returning home to find an even fuller house than in the first season's ending. Which I thought was a the really sweet... The third season's like a three-camera sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Even Fuller House. <laughs> uh, don't look for spoilers. Guys, John and Kevin... Kevin's... Wait. John and Kevin's waves as John enters his house recreate the moment when they first see each other in Axis Mundi. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like that scene where he's like, what if no one's home? I love it. Yeah, Kevin then you can come. come to my house. Yeah. I called that and line also. And his house is packed right. with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, aside um, from the flashback to the earthquake in Axis Mundi, this episode has three additional earthquakes, all of which occur on 10-14-2015 when Kevin climbs out of his grave, when mm -hmm. Mary wakes up, and when mm -hmm. Kevin is about to return home at the end of the episode. The first three instances include the flashbacks seem to potentially be concurrent with characters returning from the other place. Yep. However, the final quake occurs when well after Kevin has returned from the hotel. So what does that mean? I know, curious. Somebody came back. Damon Lindelof said the last scene of the finale very purposefully and unambiguously refers back to the cavewoman in the opening of Axis Mundi. Wait, say that again? Not in a story way, but in a character, emotional, thematic way. Will you say that again? Damon Lindelof said, the last scene of the finale very purposefully and unambiguously refers back to the cavewoman in the opening of Axis Mundi. Not in a story way, but in a character, emotional, thematic way. Hmm. So it's like the cave crashing in on that woman's family was the opposite of Kevin coming home to find them all alive in the cave or whatever. I mean, family is certainly a theme in this episode big time. Is that what it is, maybe? Family's everything. Sure. Family is everything, according to Liv Tyler, famous daughter the of only, um... Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. So one thing, the only <laughs> issue I had with this episode is when he comes back from expelling Patty, he yeah. has the memory of the girls faking the disappearance. Yes. Mm -hmm. But doesn't that mean he gets the memory of all of his sleepwalking? Potentially, but why would he address it? Meaning, no, where's the he, guy? Where's the guy who shoots the dogs? I think and he does. He have memory of taking Patty and all of that. I think he remembers that moment because the brother asks, "Did you see Evie there?" So then he thinks about Evie, and that's when he can remember it. I think if he like actively was like, "What happened with the dogs and the guy?" He would probably have that come back to him too. Okay, so that's we still theory. we could get 
a look at that. Oh. The other thing I was going to say is maybe? the song uh, that he sings, didn't they cut to like the National Geographic? Didn't that tie directly yeah. into? That's why I'm like, huh? I thought that they had perfectly, like purposefully tailored the entire story around that song. I know. It like, seems Oh, yeah, then we'll way. call back to Nat Geo. It certainly we'll seems that way. Because there's <laughs> yeah. so many moments. It does seem that. But you way. know that happens a lot when you're editing and you have to replace a song with something else. You're like, oh, but fuck, you try this to protect, is so you try good. to hide it and look like a genius. So there was an interview yeah. with Tom Parada about the season two finale that I found that I wanted to like read a little bit of. If you guys want to be okay with that, bitter. I'm ready. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for because we want to discuss these things and we want to know. I never dug into anything. As far as the author was concerned, I was such a Lindelof nerd at the time that I didn't even like care about what the fucking. It's so interesting. There's no ARG around this. I know. I mean, they they did send little things like the things that I got, but they didn't. Right. I What's mean, ARG, an alternate reality game where they like connect the series with like oh. real life stuff. But then, and they did have like the Comic Con things, like the Guilty Remnant or the uh, Living Reminders dolls on display and stuff. But it wasn't really a game. It was just like fun shit they did. It would have been cool if they did Comic-Con with people dressed as the GR. They did that. Stomping through Comic-Con. Oh, they did? Yeah. They had Guilty Remnant people walking around the whole, at least the front area. Smoking? Yeah, I think so. If they could. Um, It's a weird central casting post. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Wouldn't be hard to find, I don't think. Yeah. this person asked, that finale, wow, there's so much to talk about. I want to start with the very end, which seemed to recall the season opener with the cave woman and this idea of resurrection as a reunion with family. Was that the arc you and Lindelof had in mind for the season? Well, I think you just put it in such a concise way. You know, not everything is planned. I think we do certain things and then try to understand what they might mean for our story. It was actually a very interesting storytelling challenge for us. We started the Cavewoman sequence and feeling like it had lots of thematic connections to the first season of The Leftovers in terms of a mother losing her child and an adopted family sort of coming to the rescue. But I think it's also an enormous... I think it also has an enormous connection to the leftovers as a whole. The idea that these awful things happen and somehow humanity figures out a way to continue. I think that we were using it as almost a symbolic overture to the season. The idea of the cave as kind of a tribe or extended family was something we had been thinking about. And I think we just love the idea of coming full circle of having this overture that people probably had sort of forgotten about. Though I think the well in season eight reminded people and the return to the water that we did periodically. But I think you do put it nicely when you said that for Kevin, anyway, resurrection means another chance at family. And in the sense, and in this sense, not just this new nuclear family of him and Nora and Jill and Lily, but really the bigger Garvey clan that we've been following. Not only is it another chance at family, but it's family in a very large sense. I love the idea that when John says, I don't know if anyone's going to be home, and Kevin says, then you can come to my place. There's some sense that Kevin's family has gotten bigger over the course of the season, and it might get bigger again. Mm. Cute. That's really nice. I like it. 
And Meg is all, also has that line about family before the guilty remnant infiltrate infiltrate Jarden. Family is everything. Yeah, laughs. As always with Meg, that's both insightful and somewhat sinister and helps to define some of the space between what the guilty remnant is and what Patty's idea is. So Patty was attacking the very conceptual idea of the family and saying that is holding humanity back in the wake of the sudden departure. But Meg is much more thinking like, oh, you really want to hurt people? Go after their family. That's how I interpreted that line. Yeah, I thought that too. Hmm. I wasn't thinking of the Patty parallel though. That's fantastic. Meg seems to have a different reason to serve as a living reminder in the Guilty Remnant than Patty did. What's your interpretation of Meg's motives and mission with her sect of the Guilty Remnant? I think in episode 9 she tells Matt in a kind of disingenuous way, here's a place where the Guilty Remnant could never go because the people aren't in pain. Of course what she means is that's of course where she's going to attack. We're going to attack our opponent's strength rather than their weaknesses. It's a bold surprise attack, and I think it's a symbolic attack on the idea that there is a safe place. So in that sense, it's in keeping with the larger guilty remnant ideology, but it is also but it also is a very much oh, I'm sorry, but it also is very much a strike at the one place where the people are saying is exceptional and is a place where you can go to hide. Meg is saying there's no place you can hide. Yeah. So did you think they were gonna blow up the bridge? Yes. <laughs> I did too. Did you? I yes. Did too. Yes, one hundred percent. I love that they didn't though. Like, oh, they're all gonna die. The bridge is gonna get blown up. Moving from season one to season two, did you and Lindelof initially have this plan of how you'd use Meg and bring her back in such a pivotal way this season? That was probably the biggest story cha- storytelling challenge for us. One of the things we struggled with first season was getting the Tom and Christine story to connect to the Mapleton story. And of course, we had to wait all the way to the last few minutes of the season one finale to make that happen. And this year, we were trying to avoid it, but to the extent that the Guilty Remnant was still operating. They were operating back in Mapleton, and we found new jobs for Tom and Lori relating to, to it. And Meg, of course, was the one holdover now that Patty was dead. The storytelling challenge for us was to get the stories to come together because I think we didn't want to tell two separate stories in the end. We wanted to tell one unified story. Hmm. Was it a risky... Was it risky... Was it a quite risky? Was it a whiskey? Did you have a whiskey? (laughs) (laughs) Episode 8 was... Expensive scotch whiskey? (laughs) Did you have expensive scotch whiskey? Episode 8 was quite a risky deviation from the rest of the series. (laughs) My goodness, I'm falling (laughs) apart. By taking us into a supernatural realm for the first time. What was the discussion behind bringing the hotel back in the finale? That's a classic Lindelof double down. Damon is just fearless. I think one of the things that we learned with episode eight was that the hard part in my mind was getting Kevin to accept this idea that he had to die to live. Once he had done that, then we had all this narrative freedom once we were on the other side. I'm not sure where the supernatural part of it comes in because it's possible to see it as a kind of dream or a vision that he has while he's in between states of living and dying. Or it's possible to say that he actually went to some physical space that operates as a kind of personal purgatory for him. 
I think that we found, I think what we found was there was a lot of narrative freedom and it was really a fun storytelling space for us. So I think to go back just felt not just a bold move, but something that we'd earned. Hmm. Do you have your own interpretation of what the hotel is? An afterlife? A limbo? Maybe a hallucination? What I love about the show is the idea that both interpretations are equally plausible, that really it's a matter of the viewer slash critic and even the writer taking a position on that. If I had to take a position, I'm more interested in the idea of vision or dreams than I am in some concrete afterlife. But that's really a preference, not a right answer. Someone who sees it in another because that's their preference, that's fine. To me, a lot of the story is about if you choose to live or to be attuned to one kind of world, meaning if you decide the world is bound by scientific laws, you'll see the world in a certain way and you'll do your best to reject anomalies that challenge that. But if you choose That's to John. But if you choose to live in a dream space or magical space or an actively religious space, you might experience random events as being full of meaning. So I think really the perceiver's choice is what matters, not so much some objective reality. Yeah. I feel like that's what we were thinking too. Glad to have it confirmed. Um, there's more, there's like way more of this interview, but I feel like we got a lot, a good portion out of it. Yeah. And I guess we could move on probably. We got a good Porsche. Gotta get right. to those clips. You know? How about we get to some to clips? clips? I think they're gonna be hilarious. <laughs> you guys want some clips? Clips, like Dude, I mean, it was hard to pull clips in these two episodes. Well, here they were we so go. Captivating. A fish that's not the one. This is the one. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that's the one. The clips? Yes. Clips. 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 So I mean, are you gonna choke me or what? Seems like such a long time ago. It does it seem really like such does. a long time ago. Oh. All right. Here's the first clip. <laughs> I treated you to those boots. What boots? Those boots that you saw at Bergdorf's? I treated you to those boots. What boots? Those boots. Those boots. Those boots. Those boots. Those boots. <laughs> boots. I treated you to those boots. What boots? Those boots that you saw at Bergdorf's? Boots. Those boots. Those boots, boots. that you saw at Bergdorf's? Those boots. All right. Hey, now that is a pretty nifty thing. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever someone sings. I, hey, now that is a pretty nifty singing. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> hey, now that is some nifty singing. Hey, now oh, another one? Oh, I might have put it in there twice. Did I put it in there twice by accident? Want a baby carrot? <laughs> Want a baby carrot? <laughs> Want a baby carrot? <laughs> That's a great clip. Like that, that one can get I, some reuse. <laughs> I, I just wanted you to come get better with some great group therapy from my mommy. Let's hear it, I just wanted you to come get better with some great group therapy from my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good clip. 
great group therapy from uh, my mom. That Ooh. is a great clip. <laughs> oh, yeah. We cremated him. We shot her ashes into space. <laughs> is that a real thing? Yeah. Can I go? I want that. I've considered it. I've truly considered it. That's what I want. And $12,000 is really not much more than a funeral, I think. Or is that yeah, cheaper? Yeah, shoot me into space. I know. Let's go to space together, Brett. Let's get out of here. Whitney, Whitney, <laughs> Whitney Moore and I were talking about having a friend plot where we just all of our bodies go when we all die because we were all friends. But this is way cooler, it. going to space. I would take either. Yeah. All right. Depending, whoever dies first gets to decide. Okay. I like that. That's not your baby. That's not your baby. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. That's not your baby. That's not your baby. That's not your baby. That's not your baby. That's not a baby. I killed you. Nope. A lot of wanted that I clip. I love the note. I was like, Brett's going to get it. Brett will get it. And then, of course, there's the Miracle Broken Song, which you heard already. Sunshine and that's it. Dream. Wow, these were great. Great clips. That's not your baby. I, I just wanted you to come get better with some great group therapy from my, my mommy. mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love it. Oh, All right, let's get some okay. emails. Took your time. Look who's here. Fuck your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice. Oh, shit. Billy Ray. Officer Mustard Stain. Time for some emails. Was that hard enough, or do I need another oar? All right. (laughs) Dude, yes. Wow, dude, we've come a long way with leftovers. I know, we truly have. All right, guys, this first email comes from Stefan Rayner, and he says, I broke the format a little. (gasps) Hey, y'all, my name is Stefan, long, long time listener, first time emailer. I just wanted to say, out of the things we watched, this is the first time show, this is the first time a show left me with no choice but to break the format. (gasps) After the event. This is tough for me. Yeah, I know. I, I had a moment where I was like, what if I watch the next episode? Could I speak clearly to just this episode? Yeah, yeah that's the thing. You want to be able to not have another episode get in the way of all the events that happened in a few episodes yeah. before that. So. I didn't. I didn't watch well, on, good. I'm but glad. it was tough. Unlike this I person, the you're struggle. a good person. <laughs> I was in no way going to wait to watch the rest of the season. It was just too good. Can't wait to hear all your thoughts. The rest of the season... Is he ready? Oh, he watched all of season two. He watched the rest of season two. So after episode seven, he said he went on. All right. Can't wait to hear your all thoughts. Brett, hashtag Brett, yes. Hashtag Owens alive. Hashtag happy format breaker. Hashtag Alana is new Owen, but no SIGs. (laughs) We just had, we're really talented with the face swap app. Yes, we are. (laughs) That was really Chris McCaleb. Beto's here, my friends, with leftover Beto! notes. He says, "Hello, uncomatose." That one guy's name. 
Oisin. No. Oisin. Or wait, Oshin. 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 Hello, Uncomatose gang. Here are my notes from the last two episodes for season two. From The Last of Us? 209. That pointless pencil joke is the same Evie tells John in the first episode, and it's still bad. When Nora went to her New York conference, someone gave her a fake grenade, too. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing Bruno Mars's song about the grenade would land differently in this universe. Still bad. So Tom gets raped. Don't at me, Bruno. Then ass whooping, looking for Meg. He then thinks it's a brilliant idea to tell her where his dad and little sister moved. Yeah. I guess he was dumb. I I guessed he was dumb, but fuck. I felt the same way. It was was interesting that he gave up where they live. Not only where they live, he then like is like intimately hanging out and kissing with her and stuff without like walls up. What? Kissing. Yeah, they were they they kissed, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Brett's like, I'm just saying. Saying. Um kissing. $12,000 is way too little money to burn something and throw it into space. Ask Elon. That's what he does with his good tweets. (laughs) Episode 210. We felt like it was a proper amount of money. Yeah, that sounds right. Episode 210. It's a very cool visual, but it doesn't really make sense that Kevin. Oh, wait. Where's my Kevin's? Hang on. Where's my Kevin? Where's my Kevin's? Don't you talk I want my to me when I'm in my brown. <laughs> She's not here, Kevin. 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 All right, we got some Kevin's. Kevin. Kevin. Um. <clears throat> I'm sad she's gone. I know. It doesn't really Kevin. make sense that Kevin is at the lake at the same time Evie and her friends are. They left right after the party, and Kevin had to fall asleep, sleepwalk to Virgil's house, and then go to the lake. Yeah, it's I, I was reading some things about this earlier. The girls didn't go immediate, immediately to the lake, apparently. That's what I was assuming. Yeah, because it is hours and hours and hours later that they Well, I don't like, know if it's like five hours, but it's at least a few. Totally satisfied with... Uh... They they went somewhere else first. Yeah. Satisfied as well. For all we mystery. know, they went to some of the girls' other houses to get their bags and shit. I don't know. Fuck yeah, I was leaning on Virgil being Regina King's dad. Now I need to know what the fuck did he do? Him molesting young John is kind of weird if it's not his son. Wow, that sounds horrible. Okay. You guys ready to talk about this? Yes, this is the theory Steve <laughs> this, read okay. about. And for the record, I guessed this out loud during the episode. Okay, well, I didn't hear you guess this, but I'm. Well, but where are your ears at? In in the in the where are your ears at? With the theory that okay, so here's what happens. I forget what Regina King asks Ellie, but Ellie, she, sorry, Evie, uh, Evie, what the uh, <laughs> the Last Did of you Us? Just have a stroke. What's going on? I was thinking of the Last of Us. What, the last thing she writes down on the paper and then shows her is that you know why I'm doing this. Essentially, you understand. You says. understand. And the theory that I f- found online and the theory that seems plausible, although it's not widely. I mean, it's not actually confirmed, I don't think. I think it's meant to be ambiguous, is in the is the idea that Virgil, being uh, Erica's dad, 
be it being revealed that Virgil was Erica's dad, <clears throat> the thought is is that Virgil potentially molested Evie, and that's why John shot him in the dick and almost killed him. And that's why Evie was scream crying in the shower because she knew why it happened. When she was five, yeah. She knew why her dad had to go to jail because her grandpa molested her. Because she knew why? <clears throat> well, no, scream she, crying because she got molested and she well, was got molested, terms. and then her dad tried to kill the guy that molested her, and, and then gone. went to jail, and then she lost her dad. Do we ever find out the answer? No, no. it's ambiguous. Oh, okay. it's, it's not there known, are a couple but that of seems to be. I'm satisfied with that. Me too. Me too. Because it may. Because remember what I was saying with Evie's motivations for joining the Guilty Remnant and completely fucking over her family don't quite align with the behaviors we've just kind of seen on the surface level of her character. And so, but something like her being molested by her grandfather and then her father attempting to murder her grandfather because of that seems like the type of thing that would happen to a young girl that would cause her to hold absolutely confusing resentment towards her father and the decision he made to not be a father during that time while he was in prison and then realizing that, you know, as an as a younger girl that those feelings weren't going to go away and her father was probably an asshole show. too so yeah the whole show is about loss yeah right yeah. so she lost her lost. father to jail she lost her grandfather because he, he tried to molest her i think it works within the thematics of but and why still... it would be such a big es moment where he would tell that story at church especially when when um uh Kevin explains to yeah. uh to John the proof that he had seen Virgil and then mm -hmm. uh and then John getting really choked up about it and saying like you don't know the story or whatever you don't know why or whatever he said nothing happened and then he happened. shot him when he said well maybe she it. didn't love you right right but before that they had this moment where he had to prove to him that he had seen Virgil and it kind of um mm -hmm. <clears throat> clued in that you know i think what it, he said i, I think know what, what was happened meant to, to you i think the way that that erica re the way that erica behaved in when anybody mentioned virgil or whenever she found out her son went to visit virgil and the same with john aligns with the idea that this guy did something very bad to this family and they don't want to see him anymore but the fact that the son goes to see him is because he's a good kid and he's forgiven his grandfather. It's because and he's a man of God, he's, so his forgiveness is important to him. Right, and and it seems like he's atoned and all of that, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it aligns really well with all of that and also um, kind of taking John off the hook a little bit for being as terrible of a piece of shit as we thought he was because I don't think it takes him off the hook for that at all. Well, initially we were thinking that I hear you, but I'm saying in my opinion, it does not. Like, I think it takes if, him off the hook. If the a only shit bit. thing he did was do that. Okay. It would take him off. That's the hook what some, I'm saying. But he's a shit so much more in yeah. so many other ways more. Yeah. That's not in my mind. It's even such a great character exactly. yeah yeah exactly very great because character. you have yeah. discussions like this yeah. about about yeah. that and i <clears throat> i just want to clarify like <clears throat> i in my thoughts are either one of three 
theories is what happened. Okay. And I think two of them are really likely. One is less likely. Either Evie is the one who got molested once or many times, I don't know, by Virgil. The other theory is John is the one who got molested because there are still a lot of dialogue aspects that lead to the concept that something happened to John. And I don't think it's unusual to say that they grew up in the same town. We already know that Erica grew up in that town. John probably grew up in that town too. Oh, he's the king of the town. Like it's unlikely that he just moved there later in life. And the third theory is somebody else was getting molested. Cause we know somebody was getting molested by Virgil, mm-hmm. likely a child. <clears throat> Cause it may, it's sounded. Pe- well, cause Patty, Patty called John. If it's not his dad. Yeah, it does seem less likely, but I still think there's potential and interesting plot points in there as well. <clears throat> I'm seeing the most likely is the Evie plot, the Evie version, but the other two I wouldn't cross out just yet. And if we never hear about it, we never hear about it, that's fine. But, um, well, it's it's kind of left up for the viewer to choose, I guess. But there are some things that kind of clue off oh, we've decided that we think it's evie yes i think it could be okay. john i'm i'm about 50 oh really i'm yeah, pretty sure it's evie. the line that um kevin says i know what he did to you i know it could mean you meaning your family and you had to go through trauma because your daughter was molested right. but still right. I, they could have so easily done a different line there to to make it more then ambiguous then what was evie's note to her mom about then i'm not a hundred percent sure like i said yeah. I'm not saying it's John. I'm saying I'm <clears throat> I think it could be John 50/50 with Evie, but I think it's not unusual for this show to have a line like you understand, like what fucking Patty says to Kevin and us not to understand yeah. it the way those two right. apparently understand right. it. Um Beto goes on finally to say, so if there weren't any explosives, what was the black guilty remnant leader last episode talking about? I don't think what the guilty remnant as a whole had planned to do on the 14th is what Meg did. Yeah. Meg did an Meg exact opposite thing. Yeah. I don't know Meg about did exact her opposite, thing. but she definitely did her own thing. She did her own thing. Yeah. Where's Brett? Did he die? <laughs> bye bye. Brett. He's allowed to get up and go if he wants. I know. To. I'm just surprised that he didn't ask the teacher if he could go <clears> pee. <throat> Fuck me, the acting is ridiculous in these last two episodes. Give them boys and gals some Emmys. For That's real. not your baby, Don Beto. Oh, yeah, For we real. have it. That's not your baby. That's not your baby. Not your baby. Wow, Eli. Eli Saracino sent us a super long email. Eli. I don't know. Should I read it, Alana? How many emails we got? 16. Uh, I kind of think no, but I'm going to leave it to you. Yeah, we're going to move on. Sorry, Eli. It's real long. Love you. You know, we're an hour and 21 into this podcast. We want to get through everyone's emails. We want to be able to talk a little bit more and then get out of here. Respect our goddamn Saturday. Steve's got appointments after this, baby. I got shit to do today, guys. I'm working all the he time. Has a calendar schedule. Um, let's. I, we should wait for Brett. I feel Just go like. to the next. All right, Gary Titsquish says. Titsquish. First time emailer here. Make a big deal over me. We're getting through this show like a motherfucker's motherfucker. And I must say, after last week, these two episodes were underwhelming, like a dick <gasps> on wheels. No Need way. I say more? Yes, you gotta say more. I don't buy it. Oh, Brett didn't hear that shit. Brett, are you okay? It's a really long podcast. Oh, okay. 
I encourage all the listeners to pause and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Maggie Faff. Don't hold it in, guys. Sends an email saying, Simon and Garvey Funkel. Hey, y'all, it's Maggie Faff. Back at it again with some very random thoughts. Or is it Paff? I can't remember. Faff? I had during the episode. Mm. 1013, <laughs> No, I don't want a carrot from your greedy, from your grody bag, Evie. Grody bag Evie was her nickname in middle school. Also, I don't find Meg interesting at all. <gasps> so this episode was a real snore fest for me. Wow. wow. But wow. never found. They shook their fists and cursed the sky, demanding explanations. No answers came, no soothing words, just silence and frustrations. But in Jordan Town, the sun shone bright, a miracle. The light of love poured down, it's a miracle. What clap Great song, one? guys. You're oh, 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 I didn't Dang, know what you you're meant. You're not utilizing our oh, baby's clip. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know what you meant. I'm sorry. I want that clip, I like, at the ready. I just wanted you to get better with some great group therapy from my mommy. Fantastic, y'all. Don't have much to say about this one because, to be honest, I didn't find it captivating. Whoa. I live here now. They got to write a second damn miracle song. I'm tired of hearing that one. <laughs> well, we got to hear the beginning, which we did not yeah. got to dot. I seriously <laughs> gasped when that woman grabbed the baby. Oh, man. Me too. Yeah. I was clutching my That's heart. That's not your baby. That's not, not your baby. baby. <laughs> not your baby. The piano, Where Is My Mind, was so well placed in this episode. I loved it. What? Did I miss that? Shoot. Yeah. Wow, Kevin, the gang's all here, and all you had to do was die twice. Lots of love, Maggie. <laughs> what was the point of the girl stealing the baby? To give, uh, to get, um, what's her name, back into Jarden. I think it Quickly. was. Quickly. I, I think it was so. to it give. It was like a bigger message. I, I think it was to give Nora an, a moment to express how much she cares about her family and the baby and all that and saving it, protecting oh, it. Yeah. And it mirrors that first episode with the mom and the babe. Wasn't there a moment where Ooh, yeah. someone said to her that it's not your baby? Oh, 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 oh. It was when she was <laughs> yeah, listening like to five. the, when she was listening to the radio, when she was uh, trying to get Mary oh, fed. Oh, she destroyed and, the radio? Yeah, when yeah. she destroyed the radio. What is it saying on the radio? The radio host was saying like, my uh well it was exactly her story pretty much about finding a baby or yeah, so, or yeah, wanting yeah. to have a baby or something and um i having think having a new baby I think make it, a new start for life or not having it cuz you're not able to open up in love right and i think she it made her feel like fuck did i just use this baby as a way to like start cover up life. my problems and start a new life and maybe there that there was a point at which i thought 
she wasn't going to chase after the baby. Yeah, me too. Like, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the your fact baby, that that yeah. girl in there was like, "That's not your baby." But I think feels in that... to me like it was pushing her in the direction of like this baby wasn't yours to begin with, and it's not the way to fix your life. And so it's it was like a character test for her in the episode, I guess. Yeah, but I think you're ta- the scene you're talking about with the radio, her realization in that moment is potentially that oh, maybe because this woman wouldn't have a new baby because she wasn't able to love, open her heart to love again, recognizing, oh, I am open my, able to open my heart to love again. That's part of how, what I've evolved into. And that's part of why she then goes back to the house and she's there for this whole mass of family. Well, she was going to go back anyway. Remember Kevin said, like, I can prove to you she's gone. Would you come back? She wasn't going to just mm. necessarily show right up if she well, was still in no, that space. no, but I think that... I think her I choice think she in that re- episode to go back was that. I think she realized, listening to that radio moment, that maybe she was trying to fix her life by adding a baby into the equation, and that was the answer to her problems. And maybe in that moment, it made her think that maybe she was wrong. And then when there was... When it came time to someone taking her baby away from her... She realized that she loved that baby. She loves her family. She cares about that life she chose. I hear you. And I think that's what what led her to go back to the house so quickly. I hear you, but I think either way, it comes down to the point that's made on the radio show saying the person who is able to want to have another baby, the man in the radio show, is opening his heart to love again. I think that's what it comes down to. And her making that choice is why she goes, or her realizing sure, I that think it's all the same. Yeah, is why she goes to the house. Because she didn't know that Kevin had gotten rid of the voices and all that shit yet. No, she but She was he, not going back because of that. He hadn't proven that to her yet. She was going back. What did he say to her? Did he decided. tell her to come back and that he wouldn't come back unless no, Patty he was said, gone? No, he said, if I can prove to you Patty's gone, would you come back? Right. If I could and look you in the yet. eyes. Right, but I feel like so him I saying... It, him saying that to her meant that he was going to do something to try to make that happen. I hear you, but I think it's really vital that the choice for her to came back, come back came from her and not well, from Well, I hear thinking, you, oh, but I think those boots are wonderful. Those boots, those boots, those Kevin. Those boots. Guys, Max sends an email saying, hey, gang. I'm assuming Owen isn't there right now, but hopes we can see him again next week. Owen, if you're listening, come home. I mean, Owen has a live 24-hour video stream if you just want to see him. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Owen cast. Owen cast at whobie.com. We're all standing awkwardly in the living room in the dark just waiting for you. Not much to say this week, so I'm going to make some predictions for next Wait, season. Wait, can I just address the awkwardly in the dark? An earthquake just happened. Everyone was just making sure they're okay. No, no, no. It's he's normal. talking about Owen. What? He's he's talking about Owen, but also using that moment as a way to say that we're waiting for you to come home. Yeah, but he's suggesting that the people in the show were standing awkwardly in the dark, and I, I'm just saying, well, it was an earthquake. That's The lights yeah. were on before that. Yeah, I don't think he... I mean, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not much to say this, this week. This, that uh, is how we would look if we were waiting for Owen, though. That, that is, is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Um, let's see. Kevin now has a squad to take down the guilty remnant, so I think next season will be about that. We know John has his firefighter, firefighter buddies. Matt can hit pretty hard, and he has shovels in his trunk. Nora is a badass, and Mary can, can talk now. Hashtag squad goals. 
Season 3, Team Kevin versus Guilty Remnant. Let's get it on. Now, a lighthearted question. If you had to nail a song to get resurrected, ignoring the wheel, what song would you choose? Mine would either be Take On Me or some Josh Turner. Can't wait to see how wet Kevin gets next season. Love, Max. <laughs> yes. Who's Josh Turner? No idea. He, he's, he's a country singer. He sings that song. Um, uh, fuck, how does it go? Horses in the back? <laughs> nope, nope. Wait, I'll get there. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, it's this one. Broken hearts and shattered trees. <laughs> nope, nope. Like wreckage on the ground. The hey, now that is pretty nifty singing. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> oh, it goes, baby, lock them doors and turn the lights down low. Oh, oh it's country. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He so, said it was country. A little taste. <laughs> Look into it. Um, Guys, stay for life. Gone sings uh, Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Oh. Oh. Gone Sexual sends an email saying, Hey, sexy cunts. My legal name is Gone Sexual. You boys and ladies said something last week that got me thinking. You boys said Virgil molested John, and so John shot Virgil. With this episode, we found out that Virgil was actually Erica's dad. What this means is, oopsies, Virgil didn't molest John, he molested Erica, and when John found out, he blasted Virgil in his cock and pearls. Anyway. That is the third option, but I don't know. Anyway, fuckheads, I was right and you were wrong. See ya. Okay. But we got there. I don't got know there. that he's right. And I mean, I can't see any other reason. I mean, I, it, just because Kevin said, I know what he no, did No, do you hear you. what he said? He said, he didn't say Evie, he said Erica. Oh, Erica. That if he had potentially molested Erica, maybe it was Erica and Evie. Evie. Oh, it could be. Like he molested Erica when she was younger, years. and then Evie growing up. Yeah, it could have just been Erica in that situation, though, because I would have kept. But again, away it doesn't explain. He as a BB, and I now have a BB. But it doesn't explain Evie's note to her mom. I don't. I think that's a leftovers thing. I don't think that's something that's like going to have a clear explanation. But that's way too right out of here. left field if it doesn't have an like a at least some sort of loose connection to character's motivation. Like, well, maybe we'll find out more next season. I don't know. Israel Chavez Lopez says so many thoughts, greeting boys and girls, strawberry daiquiri boy, Israel here. Hope Alana Hello. gets the reference. It sounds I, familiar and I can't remember. I have so many different thoughts this week, but I will try my damn best to make them into a cohesive email and not the ramblings of a crazy person. I listened to the entire two-hour podcast with Alana's voice out of sync, and let me tell you, it was actually kind of fun trying to tie together a conversation happening in two different timelines. It felt what like happened? the bar episode I of Watchmen. Yeah, I think it uploaded with the timeline messed up, and then I uploaded a new version like right away. So uh, it was fixed for some people and not for others because uh, the RSS had already downloaded the broken one. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't downloaded the episode yet, it's fixed. But if you did download it, you should delete it and re-download it. Spayed and neutered. When Kevin was crying while singing at the karaoke, it triggered me a lot. It reminded me of the time I went to a karaoke just after a bad breakup and ugly cried while singing the absolute best breakup song ever made. It's called Si La Ves, If You See Her by Franco De Vida. Whoa. Perfect song. 
Hope you are enjoying this amazing series as much as I am. Thank you guys for putting a smile on my face since 2012. Love you, and as always, wear a mask, Israel. Thanks, buddy. I feel like everyone has a traumatic karaoke song or moment. Yeah. Traumatic karaoke story. That's why it works. Justin Lescano sends an email saying, Hello, Alana, Brett, and Steve. Greetings from Jarden, Texas, or just about as close as one can get to the magical town. The Leftovers is my favorite show, and I'm so happy y'all are enjoying it. While I torture my friends by forcing them to rewatch the show with me, I like to point out real-world locations that are easily found in Austin. I know that y'all visit from time to time for the amazing Fantastic Fest or for working with those rooster folks. So I put together a little map of the major sets seen in the show. It includes such places as the International Assassin Hotel, the Falls, and the Bridge to Jarden, plus many more. I hope you the world returns so that you can make your way back to Austin and get some in-person leftovers experience. Steve, you got to yeah. do a leftovers tour like we did yeah. last in Hawaii. Well, we meant to do a big... Uh, first time show lost tour but mm-hmm. we still haven't gotten our shit together you did a lost tour in Hawaii I'm ready. no but I was meant to do one with the first time show boys with okay, Brett and okay. Owen but at least you got yeah. something I want to go to Hawaii so let's do that yeah. alright well thank after you all this, after all this is done I I'm gonna have some so vacation bad. time uh, thanks Justin yeah. for that email Kaylee Fisher sends an email saying candy is candy hello men I recently started watching Lost and decided I wanted to listen along to your podcast. I'm currently at the beginning of season three of Lost and will probably never know if you read this email, but I had to put this out there. I am a camp counselor for six to eight-year-old girls. On a scavenger hunt for a big bag of candy while getting frustrated, my camper Farai said, Candy is candy. We have a young Bernard on our hands, and I couldn't help myself from giggling at this unintended lost reference. Thank you and goodbye, Kaylee. We've got a lot of candy is candy things coming up (laughs) for some reason. I want to know exactly when Kaylee hears this. Right. Will so she even? Email us straight <laughs> yeah. away. We may not be alive. Like where she's at in the show. Yeah, if she's watching Lost season three, it means that she's got like a bunch of shit to get through before she gets to the leftovers. She might just be bones, gray bones. What if strategically she does it chronologically and jumps the leftovers after Lost? Could happen quickly. Possible Dep- depends on her binge rate. John sends an email saying, Hi, gang. This episode really added new layers to Meg's character, and to do it so late in the season slash series is pretty ballsy. What's so interesting about episode 9 is how it manages to push the momentum of the season in such a sneaky way. I feel like there wasn't a clear antagonist like the Guilty Remnant in the first season, and because of that, there wasn't a clear build-up to the finale. So the reveal in that last scene really surprised me the first time I watched it. Episode 10 was the big Wait, fireworks episode. What's the reveal in the last scene? That Evie is, uh, or uh, yeah, Evie is alive in the trailer. Oh, because that was in episode 9. Okay, I mixed them. Episode 10 was the big fireworks episode, and it really worked for me. Love seeing all the characters finally getting to Jarden. I was waiting for Tommy to have something up his sleeve to fuck up Meg's plan, but nope. Me loved too. Mary and Matt's reunion, though. Also, motherfucker loved... Ke- oh, also, motherfucker... 
Why? Loved Kevin's reaction. The Afterlife Hotel might have lost a bit of its novelty since episode 8, but I liked that it was used again to further develop Kevin's character and his complicated relationship with his family. Also, I think it's interesting... That's inter- what he said in the mirror when he popped up in the hotel. Oh, motherfucker. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Thank you, Brett. Also, I think it's interesting that the earthquake that was mostly used as a bad omen on the show, cave woman losing her family, Evie disappearing, was only linked to good things for Kevin, saving him from drowning, unearthing him from the ground, and finally leading him to his whole family gathered together waiting for him. Sorry if this is a long one, Steve. Can't wait for you guys to discuss the final season. Take care, John. No, that was just on the cusp of being too long, but you made it, my friend. You made it. Echo, Lucky boy. Echo Spider sends us an email saying, Season dos finale already. Hi there. To address a question about not enjoying the last two episodes as much from my last email, I like Kevin and Justin Thoreau. He's definitely a hunk and a great actor. I was a Jack fan in Lost, but I think maybe Kevin feels a bit too much like him without the redeeming qualities. Much prefer to resolve the other storylines at least this season. Interesting. Well, you didn't quite get that, kind of. My one question, to be brief, was the grenade in the bus foreshadowing that she wasn't blowing up the bridge? (gasps) Interesting. Mm, It probably was. I think so. Also, theory, the Guilty Remnant are now an acapella group. Those sickos. <laughs> That's so true. Unto season three, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. That's a very wonderful email. Pentatonix is going to join. <laughs> the GR oh, no. Zishan, this is such a fucking That's long a email. very long email. This is not okay. Very, very long. Um, well, you read read the, the beginning and the ending. Yeah, read the beginning and the end. Okay. Right off the bat. I want to reiterate that I am a first-timer. I'm saying this because in an email a while back, I basically called what happened to the girls. I swear the only thing I felt when it happened was surprise and satisfaction that my prediction turned out right. I am not one of those assholes who pretend they're watching for the first time and make accurate predictions, quote-unquote. What? So if anyone remembered my email and is thinking that I was spoiling, I was not. With that out of the way, on to the regularly scheduled email. And then the very end says, please extend my apologies to Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Zishan. Oh, and then he says, P.S. My bad for not pulling the cum clip last week. So let's try again. Imagine Patty teaching where babies come from to a kid named Kevin. All right, Kevin. Now to make a baby, you have to put your penis inside the girl's vagina and. Clip is being pulled. Is this our intern? You need to fill it with your cum, Kevin. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Is this our intern? <laughs> he said it's his first time writing or watching. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Dan the Man sends an email saying, cocaine-filled finale. Hello, first-timers and boys and gals and any other passenger in this crazy ride of a show. Miami Dan coming in with some thoughts. The penultimate episode, to me, was a well-needed but classic Lindelof-structured episode. He always goes back right before the ending just to give you that last little bit of information for the finale of his shows. I did because the Miami last Dan. episode, the penultimate on season one was the bef- it was Kevin's family before the. Oh yeah, the, the Garvey's right? at their best. Yeah. yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. I really enjoyed seeing Megan and how disjointed she's become. Tommy is useless yet again, and I remember seeing the reveal of Evie in the trailer for the first time and thinking, insert, what the fuck, Jill? The finale was amazing. I really like this one more than the first season's finale. I hope you got the clip, fix that, Jesus. I really appreciate the sense of urgency this episode had. I don't remember that clip. Is it from the radio? It made it more realistic and it seemed better put together. Oh, fix that, Jesus, yeah, when she when throws she the radio. The that's radio. right. Would have been a good clip. Um, also, where's the Kevin Summer album we all desperately want? Anyways, love y'all first time boys and gal. Can't wait to continue on this crazy ride that is The Leftovers. I think season three is a pretty good season and can't wait to see Brett's face in the third to last episode. See y'all next week, Miami Dan. I can't even imagine what season three is going to be about. I know. It's a it's an absolute so mystery going right into it. What the hell is season three about? I love it. I'm so excited. On HBO Now or HBO Max, whatever it is, when I finished this episode, it preloaded the next one. Yeah. <gasps> and I saw Kevin with a beard, and that's all I oh, know. Oh, shit. I saw that image also. Yeah. Steve was like, don't lie. All right, guys. Oshin sends. He really screamed it. He put his nice. hand in front of well me. Well done. Oshin sends an email. Oh, you gotta give yourself a hand of applause. A hand of applause. What? Here they are. Which one? This one? Hey, now that is a pretty nifty thing. Give yourself a hand. Well, nobody was singing. Uh, you don't well, think O'Sheen rolls off the tongue like uh, a song? I guess song? that's true. That's true. Excuse him. That's Whoa. not our fault. Well, O'Sheen sends an email saying O'Sheen pronunciation guide three, with and then he says spaghetti, and then here's the video or here's the audio file. There will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical, and for the songs that create their most memorable moments. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated. <laughs> gorgeously empowering song let it go from the oscar winning animated movie frozen please welcome the wickedly talented one and only oisin clancy (laughs) oh my god that's the best rose that's great that's really good that is so that's so good that's really good please welcome the wickedly talented one and only oisin Got it. All right. Thank you for that email. And that's it, guys. That was the last email. We did it. Woo! Crazy. Yeah. Under two hours for this finale episode. Feel pretty good about that. Just under two hours. Just. Mm, we're not done yet. Um, What's up, Brett? You got something else to say? Oh, okay. That's true. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah, 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 I want to yeah, get yeah, off yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this fucking podcast so I can go watch the next episode. Are you really going to watch it right now? Would it upset you? No, because you could just watch it right now. And in fact, Alana well, and I, I could was watch it right say, now too. I'm missing next week because I have a workshop all weekend. Oh, yeah, so I can yeah. watch the episodes now because I need to give in my notes ahead of time before y'all well, record. Well, we were thinking since if, well, we were also oh, thinking of recording earlier so that you could get on. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a pretty packed up week. We're nothing's well, we'll, for sure, but we'll either, talk about either we're recording way early and y'all need to get emails in. I probably won't run and watch it right this second, but I'll probably watch it tonight. Well, here's the deal. You guys for those of you, you gone. guys, well, here's the thing. Alana will here's not be thing. available for the next episode, but we might have Alana's thoughts or 
a lot we'll just record the episode early so we could have her on we're gonna figure it out but if alana's not on the episode that's why she's not available and but your guys gonna it's get such a, a mystery no one's gonna know what to expect and you might i really <laughs> emails think... are gonna be crazy <laughs> I, I know i really think if i'm we not there you gotta get someone on the episode <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah we also be... have to address what we all hope for season three it's a new season oh okay well what do you hope for season three oh, alana that's i'm on the spot brett you go first I had I hoped we just didn't leave the hotel and that's how the season ended and it was like oh all season three is just Kevin getting back. Um, I don't know, but I like I like whoever emailed in that it's a battle between the Garveys and the GR. Mm. That now they have (laughs) I love that too. Lori who's back. (laughs) She's got the inside info. You got Tommy. (laughs) uh, You know Matt and Mary. Are yeah. back. Yeah, it's, I I feel like it's this. The line has been drawn. The sides have been chosen. Can and I, now it's just going to be like an in-game level battle. Just a CGI like mash them up together, right in the middle. I really want season three to just be a three camera studio audience show, and it's all the Garveys living in the house. And it's just the Garveys. Yeah, and it's called the Garveys, and Lori lives there with them. Lori lives there with them. And Tom is. You know always... that's what I pitched for Thrashtopia season two. Oh, is that it? Was like a sitcom where everyone was that like... Whitney just wakes up and it's just a sitcom in a bunker. Oh, that's so with good. everyone who was in season one. Love that. That's great. That's great. Uh, anyway, can I Alana, acknowledge? I f- almost forgot to say this. I am so grateful, so happy that they didn't have Matt go through some terrible shit storm to try to get Mary in yeah. again. Like we just didn't even have to see it. He got her in. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to watch Agreed. any more torture porn. No more Matt. No, no more Matt torture no porn. No more Matt torture but porn. Matt had, Please, fuck. Matt had a really great moment with uh, with. Um, Liv Tyler Meg's character with Meg yeah and then he had another great moment um, when he was reunited with Mary and I thought that was really yeah, touching yeah he's been moment. having some good moments yeah. I don't want any more torture with him let yeah. him have I the think goods he, I think his, his, his character ends on a high note Yes. Mary's back. He's got his family back. They're all together I think everything's gonna be it's interesting because truly like I remember I remember even less about the next season other than very obvious things that we'll all talk about as they happen. But it is really interesting that it does seem like we're just going in with a fresh slate. Like it could really go anywhere because now we have the Garvey's all okay. And it seems like John and his family has some stuff to work out. Explaining to Um, do. Do you think that, what do you think is going to happen with Ellie and, um, Ellie? or Evie? What do you think is going to happen with Evie and I think the next family? season we're going to get a bunch of the, what's the other family next door isn't last name? John's family. John's family. The John and Erica family. I think the we're going to get a family. bunch more of them. I John hope we get Erica. more of them. I feel like we Here's might my prediction. have new I think people. John's son is going to be a really big part I of the story. I dearly hope so because I love him and I yeah, want new great. people. I want new people. I want new people. Will you guys be satisfied if they pull a season two and suddenly they introduce like a whole new family that the Garveys somehow come into contact with? And Because they wrapped up season two so well, I would be okay with it. Yeah. yeah, they've got a little bit of rope, but yeah, exactly. I feel like three has got to be, this is the third act. This is the third act. Exactly. And you know it's the finale of the entire series, so they're building up to something. They better be. Yeah. 
Um, do you guys think that because we have an entire other final season to get through that they might actually address the departure in a more specific no. way? <laughs> no. Okay. I feel like the departure isn't even the point of the show. Yeah, the really departure doesn't matter at all anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that happened, but now this is happening. Because yeah. of that, this. Yeah. And now this is all that matters. Yeah. Well, speaking of this, we thank you for listening to it. And we thank <laughs> you for your time. And we thank you for sharing it with your format. friends and respecting the format and leaving a review on iTunes for the Valley Cast specifically calling out how you're enjoying the first time show. That's very helpful. And also we hope you're subscribed to youtube.com slash the Valley cast. Cause that's where you'll see the video version of this show and us and all of our visual glory during this whole thing. Um, let's see anything else. You guys want to promote anything or say something? Not quite yet. Creeper is still a comic book that Brett and I created together. Creeper is still available. If you're interested in checking out a pretty cool comic book, check out Creeper on Comixology. (laughs) Ooh! (laughs) Those boots. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, we're done. Thanks, guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. You want to take a bird with you?